What's going on, guys? It is Cam back with another episode of Down to the Wire, and uh, I have my co-host back again. Second podcast in a row. He's back, Mason. Welcome back to the show, man. Round what two, up, brother. Yeah, man. So uh, lots of stuff happened this week. It was SEC Media Days this past week. Lots of stuff going on. Lots of coach talk. Lots of interviews. Um, the uh, preseason. Uh, Order of finish and preseason media days. All SEC teams were released today. We're recording this on Friday. So <clears throat> just came out earlier today. So um, a lot to go over. So uh, main thing we'll start off with is just kind of impressions and takeaways of media days. Before we kind of get into that, let me just go ahead and read off the order of finish uh, that uh, the media voted for, as well as some of the uh, first team, second team, and third team on all, all offense and defense real quick um i think no surprises here um georgia pick first to win the east alabama first to win the west um and then just kind of if you listen to it at all or watch it at all on espn um a lot of the talk was it's obvious georgia bama at the top for both divisions what about the rest you know what what's what's left so the order of finish in the east they had kentucky at two Tennessee three, Florida four, South Carolina five, Missouri six, and Vanderbilt second or seventh. Uh, and then in the West, they had AM at two, Arkansas at three, Ole Miss at four, LSU at five, Mississippi State at six, and then Auburn at seven to finish out the West. And then, of course, they had it was uh, far and away, Alabama was voted to win the SEC outright. Um, <clears throat> they got uh, basically all, but I think 18 votes for the uh, actual championship there. Uh, some standouts on the first team offense, obviously quarterback Bryce Young uh, was the quarterback of choice. I don't think that's any surprise. He's the reigning Heisman winner. Um, two running backs, Tank, Tank Bigsby from Auburn, uh, and then Jamar uh, Gibbs from Alabama, which is the Georgia Tech transfer. He's on that list. Wide receivers, they have Kayshawn Butte, and this one was a little bit of a surprise to me. Uh, they have Jermaine Burton, the transfer from Georgia to Alabama, as a first-team wide receiver. Um, Brock Bowers at tight end, and then the offensive line is – I'm not even going to try and pronounce this guy's name – Emil Ekior. <laughs> from, ba- from Bama, Warren McClendon, Georgia, Osiris Torrance from Florida, Nick Bro- Broker from Ole Miss, and then Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas. Um, second team, just real quick, quarterback Hendon Hooker, Chris Rodriguez, and Devon A-Chain from Texas A&M on that list. Uh, Cedric Tillman, the wide receiver from Tennessee, with second team, I was expecting him to be first team, especially with all the talk that had been going on about him in the offseason, especially at media days. So to me, that was a little surprising. He got on second team instead of first. Um, Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss was on that second team wide receiver. Cameron Latu, the tight end from Alabama, is on second team. And then the offensive line, uh, Layden Robinson from AM, Kenneth Horsey from Kentucky, Darnell Wright from Tennessee. Javon Cohen from Alabama, and then Cedric Fran Pran from Georgia on that second team list. Uh, third team, quarterback Will Levis. Um, running back Zach Evans from Ole Miss and Kenny McIntosh from Georgia. 
wide receivers, Anaya Smith from Texas A&M, which we'll probably talk about him soon. Uh, and then uh, Josh Van from South Carolina on that list as well. Jaheim Bell, South Carolina tight end on the list. And then the offensive line uh, goes with Brady Latham from Arkansas, Tyler Steen from Alabama, Javon Foster from Missouri, Jeremy James from Ole Miss. Uh, I think him and then Kendall Rudolph, I think, tied uh, on the third team list, Kendall Ruoff from Alabama, and then the center of Cooper Mays. So that kind of rounds out your first, second, and third team offense. Uh, what do you think on the offensive list uh, that's on here? Any surprises? Do you think anybody got left out? What, what are your kind of initial thoughts on that? Uh, I like what you said about the first team with Jermaine Burton, that you were a little surprised with that. That one kind of didn't take me – I wasn't too surprised with it because I think he's going to be a good player this year. But first team I felt like was a little high from for him. Mm-hmm. And also I kind of expected Zach Evans to be at least second team coming in, uh, transferring to Ole Miss. So that one was a little surprising. Yeah, him too. being all the way down on third team. Yeah. Because I thought he was good for TCU. He stepped up and had some big plays last year. And then coming in and going into like Kiffin's system, I felt like yeah, it would have boosted him up a little bit. But – yeah, I, <clears throat> I mean, so there are. I, I think there are a lot of really good running backs in the league this year. I think it's a really oh, strong sure, running back class. Um, and with that, you kind of get a log jam. I mean, you have Jameer Gibbs from Alabama. I'm pretty sure he was at least all SEC or all ACC last year, which is probably why they have him at first team. Um, but I mean, it's just a log jam. I mean, you're going to put him up against Chris Rodriguez from Kentucky, who's been a stud for the past couple of years. Devin A. Chain. I think you could probably make a really good argument, maybe to be above him, because I mean, he wasn't the main guy at A and M. It was Sp- Isaiah Spiller, so he's kind of taking on kind of the full load now, which you never haven't really seen him do. Um, so, so there, I think there's probably more of an argument for him to at least move up to second team over a chain from a and um, <clears throat> I think the other thing, um, kind of going along with the standings, everybody, I mean, obviously the best quarterback in the league, uh, Always expected to be Bryce Young. He just won the Heisman. He had an unbelievable year. Probably going to have another great year this year. But then the question was, okay, who's after him? What quarterbacks are you going to put after him? There are a lot of good ones. And even some of the places that are having quarterback competitions, you feel like, you know, whoever they have is still going to be a really good quarterback. So um, it was interesting to see Hendon Hooker second and then Will Levis uh, third. Uh, That leaves off Will Rogers from Mississippi State, who – is definitely going to have a stat great season because he's in the air raid with Mike Leach. But I mean, there are a lot of other quarterbacks too that could have made the list. Were there any quarterbacks that you thought might be on third or second team besides these two? Uh, Will Rogers was the one for me for sure. Cause I was looking at the stats earlier and they were insane last year. And that was just year one with Mike Leach. Right. Yeah. And then, so coming into this year, I feel like he's just going to take another jump. If he can control the turnovers, I think, um, him and Mississippi State will actually have a solid year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that's the the all SEC teams for offense. We'll go on defense real quick. Quick. So uh, first team defensive line. Uh, you have Jalen Carter from Georgia, B.J. Ujolari from LSU, Derek Hall from Auburn, Byron Young from Tennessee. The linebackers you have Will Anderson from Bama, Nolan Smith from Georgia. Henry To'o To'o from Bama. Uh, at the defensive backs, you got Jordan Battle from Bama, Keely Ringo from Georgia, Eli Ricks from Bama, and Jalen Catalan from Arkansas. 
Uh, going on to the second team on defensive line, we got Zach Pickens from South Carolina, DJ Dale from Bama, Ali Gay from LSU, Colby Wooden from Auburn, Bumper Pool at linebacker for Arkansas, Dallas Turner from Alabama, Britton Cox at Florida, and then the DBs, we have Cam Smith from South Carolina, Antonio Johnson from AM, Christopher Smith from Georgia, and Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State. And then that third, <clears throat> excuse me, that third team on the defensive line, we got uh, Jervon Dexter from Florida, Justin Ebogi. I don't know. How do you say this? How do you say this, Mason? Ebogi? <laughs> I don't know. Eboga B from Alabama, Mason Smith from LSU. Uh, McKinley Jackson from AM. And at linebacker, we have Owen Papo, Ventrell Mil- uh, from Auburn, Ventrell Miller from Florida, Jeremy Banks from Tennessee. And then at DB, you have Kool Aid McKinstry from Bama, Trey Dean from Florida, Trevin Flowers from Tennessee, and then Malachi Moore from Alabama. Personally, I think Malachi Moore, I'm surprised he's on third team. I thought it would be a little bit higher because he had a really good year last year. Um, what are your initial thoughts on the first, second, and third team defenses that are listed here? Uh, it's a boy could be, by the way. Okay. <laughs> Do you just like uh, but, Google that or what? <laughs> oh, no. I, just, I wanted to give you your time to mess up. <laughs> I appreciate uh, it. But uh, the one for me was second team with DJ Dale because he's good. Kind of. I mean, he's he's he doesn't really impact the game that much. He's good on uh, he's a good uh, he's good on run defense. But to me, I'm more excited for Tim Smith next year than DJ Dale. So him being second team was kind of interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I'll say about the defense, I mean, <clears throat> I the the formatting that they have this drives me crazy. Because Will Anderson and Nolan Smith are listed as linebackers. They're like defensive end, like edge rushers. I wouldn't consider them linebackers, but, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I just don't like how it is. I think they need to kind of restructure how they actually list it because it's not as simple as defensive line linebacker and DB. DB, I think you can get it away with, but at the same time, like, you could very easily put in a lot of corners instead of – and not – and like no safeties if they really weren't paying attention. <clears throat> so I, I don't like how they have it set up because I think because BJ Ojolari and Will Will Anderson and Nolan Smith, they all play the same position. But one's listed yeah. as defensive line and two others are listed as linebacker. So I, I it just drives me crazy. But <clears throat> the uh, lots of Alabama players on first team, a lot more than I thought there would be, honestly. Um, is Eli Ricks even going to start? He wasn't starting in the spring game, but I think that was more because he was newer and still learning the playbook. I think by the time the season rolls around, he is going to be starting. Um, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Cause he was definitely not starting in the spring game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just know that there was a lot of talk around him, not fitting culture wise, which he, he's a big transfer from LSU. He's probably projected to be a first-round pick. But there's definitely character issues with him and just kind of how he kind of carries himself. And so I have heard – I don't know how much water this really holds, but I have heard that he is kind of like a culture issue. And if, I don't know if he's fully bought into the program. So 
you would probably be able to answer that better than I would, but that is some of the yeah, talk for around sure, for, for sure. sure. But obviously, and we'll he, see. He got into some legal <laughs> trouble, right? He did get arrested. I remember party. that. He did get so. arrested down in Mississippi. Speaking, <laughs> I don't know if that's going to have anything to do with it. No, but. I mean, he's just going to get a slap on the wrist like all football players, though. But speaking of arrests, <laughs> another player that was on uh, the offensive uh, preseason list, as well as was supposed to come to media days, was. Uh, <clears throat> Where is he? Where is he? He's somewhere. There he is. Anias Smith from AM. There he's supposed to be representing the university and the football program at Media Days on Thursday and instead gets arrested early Wednesday morning for DWI illegal gun possession and for having marijuana in his possession. So that's a great look for one of your captains on the team getting arrested the day before you're supposed to be representing your school and your team at media days. What a look for AM. Are we really even surprised at all by this? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're so, so focused on other stuff right now. It's whatever. Yeah. But what's crazy about it is, is you know, it's probably going to end up being a two-game suspension. Oh, right sure. before that Miami game, he'll be back. For sure, man. For sure. So uh, did you have a chance to really kind of dive into or listen to any of the press conferences or any of the interviews at SEC Media Days? I did, yeah. And one thing that I was taking away from it is how great SEC coaches are and how great their team is right before the season starts. How awesome <laughs> they look. <laughs> the yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel like it was the same answer for every coach. Oh, yeah, you know, our team's working hard. We look great right now. Can't wait for the season to start, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely coach speak. It's talking season. I mean, you always listen. I think what got me was when uh, Clark Lee, the Vanderbilt coach, got up there. And at some point during his whole spiel, he had like it felt like a 50 minute long monologue before he got to questions. (laughs) It was ridiculously long. But he basically I don't know if it was in that or if it was him answering a question, essentially saying that in due time, Vanderbilt will have the best football program in the nation. And my dude, you have no self-awareness if you're going to use those words with Vanderbilt because that's never going to happen ever. Okay. The best coach you had was James Franklin and the best he could do for you is eight and four. So like, shut yeah. up, this is down. All right. <laughs> like, I can't even tell you the last time they won an SEC game. Oh, it's been like two or three years, I think. I, think that's I really want to say it was 2019. It was probably pre-COVID, honestly. It might even been before that, man. Who freaking? I, <laughs> I mean, I could look it up, but I honestly don't even want to know. I don't want to know. Um, yeah. Did anything else kind of anything that any coaches said, whether it was about their team or about NIL or scheduling? I mean, there was all sorts of stuff that was talked about this week from various coaches. Uh, were there any interviews that you liked? Any quotes that you kind of want to talk about? You know, what, what were your takeaways of of everything? Just give me kind of your even more thoughts on, on media days. Yeah, for sure. So I had probably three things that really, really stood out to me um, for media days. And the first one was Brian Harson coming out and just taking a haymaker <laughs> swing at his boosters. <laughs> just taking a, the biggest shot in the world at them, which I actually really liked coming from him. It showed some spice that I didn't see last year. And to me, honestly, from everything that the players were saying and he was saying, it seems like they actually came together and kind of rallied from it. You know, the stuff that was happening was kind of garbage with him. Um, So for him to come out and just take that swing at the boosters, I really liked. 
Um, and then I think the second thing for me was Jimbo Fisher trying to convince everybody that Max Johnson was the best returning quarterback in the SEC next year. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't even listen to the Jimbo Fisher interview yet. Uh, so that's news to me and what an idiot. <laughs> so he <laughs> he came out and was basically talking about how he was excited to have Max Johnson and he feels like he has the best stats of any returning quarterback in the SEC this year. And I know he transferred from LSU to Texas A&M, but that's what he was saying. It was any returning quarterback. So him, Calzada. Um, so I was looking up the stats and I think, let me pull up the number real quick. There were um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There were eight returning quarterbacks from last year to this year. You think you can name all eight of them? Well, obviously Bryce Young. You got Will yeah. Rogers, Hendon Hooker, probably Zach Calzada, um, Will Levis, um, KJ Jefferson. Um, how many am I at? Is that five? No, six. Uh, so six. Got two more. I got two more. Okay. Um, returning quarterbacks to the SEC. Um, hmm. I mean, none of the Auburn quarterbacks, CJ Finley didn't do that. Um, is Jaden Daniels on that list? No. No. Okay. Um, hmm. I don't know. I, I can't think of the other two. <laughs> All right. So last two, Max Johnson and then uh, Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. Well, he, so anyway. Max had better stats than Stetson? No. Or was it the Stetson other way? Oh, okay. had, yeah, Stetson had better stats. And that's what I thought was funny about it because I was looking up the stats and Max Johnson probably had the second worst stats of all the returning quarterbacks. Jeez. Probably he had better stats than Zach Calzada, and that was about it. Okay, you can I got that you one. can say he had better stats than KJ Jefferson, but when you add in the rushing on top of it, yeah, it didn't really add up. Yeah, so I mean, coming from the one. so when it comes to Max Johnson, coming from the LSU perspective, he is the definition of game manager, and that's all he'll ever be. He doesn't have a great arm. He is mobile enough to possibly evade people. I mean, Stetson Bennett is a better athlete than him. So, I mean, you can take that with however you want to take it. But I just, he's not like a game breaker. And I think a lot, I know last season there was a lot of hype around him from LSU fans um, thinking that he was going to be the next great thing because of what happened at Florida in the fog. But he like had very little to do with that. And we got lucky to win that game because somebody decided to throw a shoe. So I mean, he's just a game manager. And if that's what you want, then like good for you. But he's nowhere and never going to be close, excuse me, to being an amazing quarterback. He will not have an NFL future either. So Jimbo, you're you a think it's going to be him? You think it's going to be him or Haynes King next year for Texas? I would say probably Haynes King. Yeah. Even and to me, that's the reason why I don't see them taking the leap next year is because I just don't feel like they have elite quarterback play. I mean, Haynes King could come out and be good, but I don't know. I just don't see. Yeah. That. I mean, we'll talk more about A and M uh, here in a bit, along with all the other SEC West teams. But let's go ahead and finish out on. Uh, you said you had one more point on the S or one more takeaway on the uh, media days, right? Yes. So my last one 
was Nick Saban continuing, con- con- oh man, I can't speak, <laughs> continuing to talk about competitive balance mm-hmm. in college football. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the big takeaways that I had. That was going to be the main thing that I talked about whenever he was talking about competitive balance and, and talking um, about that whole thing. Um, I agree with him 100% um, with everything that he said. I know a lot of um, pushback from people is mainly being like, oh, you're Alabama, you know, you don't have any problems, blah, blah, blah. But like, to be honest, like he's, you know, giving away that point saying, hey, like I am like at Bama, we're one, we're one of the programs that have done it and are here, but it's still an issue. One, competitive balance. And then two, the scheduling and him talking about how, there are three, four games a year that fans don't give a crap about. And that's exactly right. And sometimes in some instances, they only care about one game a year um, because there's only one good game of the schedule. So, I mean, you're just kind of wasting money and him talking about, you know, he's fine with 10 SEC games um, as a conference, you know, uh, schedule and all this stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm hundred percent with him because we want game as fans. We want games to always matter. We don't want to waste our money on going to Alabama and Mercer, right? I mean, the only time that some people get to go is because it's Alabama and Mercer and the tickets are cheap, but like you're only going for maybe a half and then you're leaving or most people aren't even watching on TV or they're just having it on in the background because you know what's going to happen. Like you're playing the school of the deaf and the blind and you're going to destroy them and it's just a waste of time. So that whole thing, like I'm 100% with him and anybody who disagrees with him is only having sour rocks thinking, oh, because it's the big guy that's talking, like it doesn't actually matter when if you actually sit down and listen to what he's saying, like he's 100% right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So I think that I thought that was great. Um, I know I really (laughs) I know I said this to you earlier in the week, but the whole TikTok video or Twitter video of Shane Beamer in (laughs) South Carolina, I thought that was amazing and perfectly done. Guy's a legend and a gangster, and I loved it. And I think the crews probably (laughs) love it too. Um, I'm bullish on South Carolina, which we'll talk about later. Um, I think there are a lot of schools that are kind of in the same place as South Carolina where it's like, Hey, it's your second year along with like, you know, Tennessee, uh, it's your second year, you know, there's a lot that you, you know, you had a pretty decent year, but now it's time for the jump up. Um, I think there are a lot of opportunities there for, for that. Uh, I always love listening to Mike Leach talk and like be in these kind of settings because I think it's hilarious. And he just goes on, on all these random tangents and talks about all this random stuff. It's always amazing. And I love it. <laughs> he's such an entertaining guy. Yeah. Just random. Yes. <laughs> he's great. And then it also helps that he's an offensive genius. So that always yeah. helps too. I really hope that they have a good year just for his sake. Cause I want him to stay around, <laughs> but uh, I thought he was really good. Um I heard a lot of people being very impressed and really liked Brian Kelly. I mean, he was buttoned up. He kind of ruled with a lot of the stupid jokes that people keep talking about with him being a great dancer and his accent and all this kind of stuff, (laughs) which is so overplayed at this point, but he had fun with it. So that was kind of good to see. Um, Overall, I thought it was a great time. I always enjoy media days and uh, hearing from all these different players that you probably would never hear of hear from uh, in general. Um, so is there anything else you want to talk about from media days? 
Uh, nope. That's okay. All I cool. Had. Well, uh, we'll go ahead, and we're also going to do a preview for the SEC, uh, and then we're also at the end do a playoff prediction, and then we have a new segment that we're going to test out and roll out uh, this this week. But uh, we'll go ahead and do an SEC West preview. Uh, so, Mason, I'll let you go first. Pick any team that you want, and kind of give me your thought. Oh, actually, we'll do this. We'll go down the list. We'll both give our thoughts on it, and then we'll move on to the next one. So, first, we're gonna let's let's start with Arkansas. Uh, I have the schedule pulled up, uh, so if you want me to go through it, I will. Uh, but give me kind of your thoughts on Arkansas, what you think of the team, what are your questions on them, and, and any kind of notes there. And then at the end, we'll kind of give our own orders uh, a finish roughly on, on what we think on that. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm actually kind of excited about Arkansas this year. Um, I'm excited to see what K.J. Jefferson can come back and do because um, I feel like they kind of got rolling at the end of the year last year. Um, they kind of figured out how to run the offense around him and what they were kind of what the next steps they were going to take were. Um, so I do think they are a dark horse this year. Um, so I, yeah, I'm excited to see what they got, what they got going. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, the only thing with Arkansas, man, their schedule is brutal this year. Uh, just kind of going off, they start with Cincinnati. Uh, then after Cincinnati, they play South Carolina, and then they finally have a break with Missouri State. And then right after that, I mean, it's murderer's row. You got A&M at home, Bam at home, then you go at Mississippi State, and then just like this random like mid-year uh, out-of-conference game at BYU in the middle of October, for whatever reason, you're going to Provo to play BYU. And then after that, you turn around and play Auburn on the road. Then you have Liberty, which is no slouch. Then you have LSU, Old Miss, and then finally kind of a break with at Missouri. I mean, that is a rough schedule. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be to me. It's going to be hard for them to have a similar record to what they had last year. They won nine games last year, I believe. That's going to be tough sledding with that schedule. And if they do get that way, then I mean, it's proof. You know, they have a really good team. Uh, I think they did lose a good bit on defense, uh, but they do have Bumper Pool coming back. They do have Jalen Catalan who's a really good defensive back, a safety role, who's coming back. They lost a couple of DBs to the transfer portal to LSU. So they do have some turnover on the defensive end. Um, they lost uh, Traylon Burks, which was their star receiver, got drafted. Uh, they did have a transfer in Jaden Hazelwood, who's from Oklahoma. And so uh, you would hope that he would kind of take Traylon Burks' uh, role there. He was a former five-star. So I, I, that's probably the hope. Um yeah, and what I have written down here is uh, can Arkansas's offense survive the losing of Traylon Burks, which I just talked about, um, and, and, and you know it'll take a lot on Jaden uh, Hazelwood from Oklahoma. Um, they did lose a lot on defense, but they do have some key leaders on all three levels coming back. Uh, but they just have a brutal schedule. Uh, but I think what we learned last year, and I think what we're going to continue to learn is that with Sam Pittman in charge, they're always going to be a tough out, no matter who they play. They're always going to be really competitive. And when you're Arkansas, I think that's really all you can ask for out of, out of that program is be super gritty, be super tough and compete. And, you know, every once in a while you might have a magical season of the stars align schedule wise, and you have a lot of returning players that are experienced that you can have a really special year. So uh, those are my thoughts there. Let's move on to Auburn. Uh, they were picked by the media to be last in the West. 
What are your thoughts on Auburn this year? Yeah, uh, I understand why they were picked last because, I mean, they really have nothing at the quarterback position right now. I mean, if you're counting on Zach Calzada to come in and save the day for you, that's really not going to happen. I mean, you only saw one decent performance out of him last year, and it was a game of his life yeah. against Alabama. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so between that, I mean, I like the rest of everything. I like, I love what they have around him. I really like Tank Bigsby. I think their defense is going to be really solid next year. Like they have a good starting line or a good starting lineup between the eleven on offense and eleven on defense. It's just they have no depth behind it. So their their problem is they're not going to be able to sustain any injuries from anybody next year. So I think that's why you're seeing them being picked last and for the upcoming season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, with that along, I mean, along with that, you, you see a lot of teams that are having to play the the Georgia Alabama gauntlet, uh, kind of picked lower. Which I mean, you absolutely understand why. Um, but I mean, they their their road games are at Georgia, at Ole Miss, at Mississippi State, and at Bama this year. Um, and, and like you said, I mean, you have Calzada coming back. I mean, how many times did he get hurt and how many quarter zone shots did he get on the sideline? <laughs> I mean, the guy, it seemed like was falling apart by the end of the year. Uh, you would hope that he, by this time that he's fully recovered from all of his injuries that he had. Cause the guy was just beat up. Uh, but I mean, other than that, I mean, you have TJ Finley. I mean, they have a, a transfer quarterback from Oregon coming in. I mean, the offense is going to be the big question mark because I think their defense will be pretty good. Um, but like you said, I mean, how much depth is there? Are you really scared of anybody on the outside from them? Not really. At least nobody's really emerged. I know a lot of people are saying, oh, nobody's expecting anything from Auburn, so watch out for them. But I think in this instance, one, you don't have Gus Malz on there with an offense that doesn't need a ton of skill players. And then two, like, there's a really good reason why nobody's talking about Auburn and they're picking them down just because, I mean, they don't have much there. Um, they have a tough schedule. I mean, it works out in their favor where they have their first five at home, but then your back half is really brutal. I mean, you have a tough game out of conference game against Penn state, which I think Penn state will be pretty good this year. So, um, I mean, I can absolutely understand why they're being picked last. And then to go along with that, you know, I know we both kind of liked how, Brian Harson was really kind of strong in his statement about what happened this offseason. But at the same time, I mean, that's always going to hang over your head. And as soon as you lose your first game, especially if it's early in the season, then you could really see that team falling apart. Because, uh, I mean, it can be all talk about, you know, it's made us close. Excuse me. It's made us closer and all this stuff. But until you really get popped and until something really goes wrong when it comes to a football team and, and schedule standpoint, you really aren't going to know. So yeah, there's, there's just big question marks there for sure. And I think they have to go 5-0 and to those first five games if he wants to save his job. I mean, I just – 4-1 and maybe. But if if they lose that one game, then you're you, – you hit the, the Georgia, Ole Miss, then Arkansas, then Mississippi State, then Texas A&M, then you got Alabama. Like that's probably what six losses through that. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is. I mean, the West is brutal this year, and out of the final seven games of the year, only three of them at home, and one of those is Western Kentucky. Yeah. So you only have two games that are at home against A&M and against Arkansas. Arkansas is tough as nails, and, you know, for some reason people are high on A&M this year, but, I mean, it's still going to be a tough game. I mean, 
You got Mississippi State on the road, which you gave up a huge lead and lost to last year, and it's in November, so probably by that time their offense is going to be really clicking as long as they don't have any major injuries. I mean, you're just in a rough spot uh, schedule-wise if you don't start out on the right foot. If they go uh, three and two with losses to Penn State and LSU to start the year before they get into that gauntlet, I mean, the heat is going to be turned up to max on Brian Harson yeah. and and it wouldn't surprise me if he was fired mid-year. Yeah, for sure. I don't even think he makes it through the year in that scenario. Yeah, so uh, next we'll go to your favorite team. We'll go to Alabama. Uh, so I'm sure you probably have a lot more to say on them than me, so I'll let you take it away. <laughs> what makes you say I have a lot to say on them? Oh, you know, it's just they're not your favorite team or anything. They're just, you <laughs> yeah. know, there, yeah. Do I ever talk about them that much? I mean, never. You never talk about them, ever. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm extremely excited about going into this season. Having having Bryce come back just makes everything turned up to 100. Um, the the I'm super excited about having Jameer Gibbs come in because I felt like last year uh, with Brian Robinson, Brian, he was a good running back, but he didn't bring the game-breaking ability that I felt like we were missing last year out of the running back room, which I feel like Jameer Gibbs 1,000% has or has. Sorry, um, but yeah. So you lose uh, Jamison Williams and John Mechie, but you replace them with Jermaine Burton and Tyler Harrell, which really excited about. Um, you're adding s- speed back with Tyler Harrell, who's supposed to be one of the fastest dudes in the NCAA. So super excited about that. You're returning most of your starters on defense, which to me. The defense really started to improve by the end of the year. Um, it kind of took them a, f- uh, a few games to kind of get their feet under them. But by the end of the year, I felt like they were really starting to dominate. Um, I just want to go ahead and get this out. I'm starting the Will Anderson Heisman hype train. <laughs> <laughs> really going to get that going at some point. So very excited about that. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to happen. But he should be in New York. I'll concede that, but <laughs> if Honey Badger didn't win it, he ain't winning it. All right. Well, to I'll be just fair, put that there. this is this is my only argument. If if uh, Honey Badger would have came back the year after the next year, I think he would have. I think he would have got it the year after his uh, Heisman campaign or whatever it was. Yeah. Well, it could have been. <laughs> Don't get me into that depressing thought. Okay, Mason, that's rough. Okay, okay. But yeah, so, okay, I, I really want to get your thoughts on the two transfer wide receivers. I mean, obviously, you guys have been stacked at wide receiver. You've had a lot of first-round draft picks in the past three, four years or so. I mean, even dating back to Julio Jones being a first-round draft pick. Um, do you think that Jermaine Burton and Tyler Harrell will really fit in well and replacing John Mechie and John and Jamison Williams? Because, I mean, those are big shoes to fill. Uh, you know, Jamison Williams being a high draft pick and pretty sure John Mechie was first or second round too. So, I mean, that, those are big shoes to fill. Do you think these transfers will really step up to the plate? I mean, obviously, Jermaine Burton coming from Georgia, they didn't, they weren't really pass heavy. You'd probably also think that George Pickens was probably a better wide out than him. Um, what are your th- thoughts on him? And then Tyler Harrell coming from Louisville, you know, big jump up from ACC to SEC when it comes to talent. Do you think those guys will be able to really fill in the shoes? And is there a third uh, option besides the tight end that you feel comfortable with to, to kind of help free those guys up? 
Yeah, I do. Um, I'm really excited about them, actually, because I feel like Jermaine Burton kind of underperformed last year with Georgia. And I mean, that was specifically more because of the offense that Georgia runs, right? So you're not really a high-powered passing offense. You're really kind of grounding and pounding. Um, so I'm excited to have him coming in. But with Tyler Harrell, I, I'm expecting more out of him than I am with Burton because I think he's going to fill that Jameson Williams role a lot better. Um, in the spring game, Burton kind of underperformed a little bit because I don't feel like he's really the, the deep downfield threat that Alabama is kind of accustomed to with their big plays, which I feel like Tyler Harrell is exactly that. Um, as far as a third guy, uh, Ja'Cory Brooks really started to bring it or, um, started to up his performance at the end of the year last year. I mean, you, you saw the big catch against Auburn basically um, sending the game into overtime. Um, so between him and Jojo Earl, I think those are two guys who I'm really excited about. But I mean, honestly, I, I touched on it earlier. Jameer Gibbs, too. I mean, he's going to be catching a lot of passes this year out of the backfield. So between those three, I think there's something there for sure. Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> out of the whole team, what is what is the weak point for Bama? I mean, is it wide receiver room because of the unknown? Is it the offensive line still? Is it defensive back? Um, what is it? Uh, yeah. I mean, you got to figure out what you're going to do with the offensive line. Um, last year, you really struggled there, but you are returning three guys, I think it is. And then um, JC Latham. Yeah, new coach for <laughs> sure. Uh, but JC Latham's going to step in at right tackle, I think, between him and you got the Vanderbilt transfer, actually, mm -hmm. uh, Tyler Steen. Uh, I think he's going to end up playing left tackle. So if that. If the offensive line can really step up this year, I don't really see um, anything else happening or any steps step backs from Bryce for sure. Um, another thing is the defensive line between DJ Dale, DJ Dale, and Tim Smith. Like neither one of them are really game wreckers. You know what I mean? Like I feel like Alabama's kind of accustomed to having game wreckers in the middle mm -hmm. between um, Jonathan, no Allen. Jonathan Allen, no yeah, exactly. uh, Marcel Darius types. There's none, none yeah. of those kind of big guys that everybody's terrified of. For sure. Like, and I feel like Alabama's normally accustomed to having a guy like that. And so to go into this year, and I mean, this is how it was last year too. Like you're really just counting on Tim's or um, you're counting on Will Anderson to make all the plays, which I don't. I don't think you can get away with that. I mean, they got away with it last year, and I expect them to be better this year. But he's going to need some help down the middle because there were times last year where teams were just running it down our throat, which we can't get. We can't have that again this year. So who's going to step up between those two? And you can throw a Byron Young in there too. So yeah, yeah. And then just looking at the schedule, uh, big game against Texas at Texas September tenth. You excited for it? I was excited for it, but why the heck did they make that the noon game? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Fox. Thank yeah, you, Fox. right. Get yes. that out of here. Sheesh. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm excited for it because I, I really like Sark. I think he's an yeah, awesome coach. Um, so I'm excited to see what Texas is going to be in here, too. Um, and I think it's going to be an awesome game for sure. Yeah. And then just look, the rest of the schedule, man, how lucky can you get? All right. You get Vandy as your rotator on from the East. I mean, come on, man, <laughs> get out of here with that. You got at Arkansas, A&M go to Tennessee, Mississippi state at LSU at Ole Miss, Austin P and then Auburn. Um, is there any stretch in the season that you would say is really a gauntlet or that, you know, you might, 
could see any possible pitfalls or do you think it's just really kind of a smooth schedule? Uh, I wouldn't say there's a gauntlet for sure. Uh, the Arkansas, Texas A&M, Tennessee, Mississippi State run, it's not going to be – that's not a gauntlet for sure. Um, I think the toughest game that Alabama is going to have this year is probably going to be against Tennessee, which is weird to say because <laughs> I feel it's right after the Texas A&M game, which is going to be the biggest game probably for Alabama this year. But if you remember last year, the Ole Miss game for Alabama was the biggest game, and they absolutely drummed Ole Miss. And then the next week was when they played Texas A&M and got beat by Texas A&M because they just looked sloppy. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's how the same thing is going to be this year. Or that's what I'm worried about is that the same thing happening this year with you have your huge game against Texas A&M. If you beat them and then you come out the next week against Tennessee and look really sloppy, you might slip up right there because I really don't think Tennessee, you can sleep on them this year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of the Texas A&M game is sandwiched between two really tough teams. So, you know, you have the worry of, hey, are we just going to overlook Arkansas, which I don't think you really can or should but, you know, it's coming up before the AM game, then you got AM, and then it's at Tennessee. So, yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that being a tough stretch with it being road, home road, um, you know, and, and, and I'd agree with you. I mean, there's not really a ton of big stretch games. You're, you're kind of have a lot of home road at home kind of flops. The only kind of back-to-back road game that you have is at LSU at Ole Miss, uh, which could be tricky. But, I mean, that's right after a bye week, so you have some time to, to rest your legs, get healthy. So, but, yeah, I mean, Bama, it's Bama. When Nick's there, they're always going to be good. Um, so we'll move on from there. Uh, we'll go to to the next team, uh, you know, the LSU Tigers. Uh, before I go off, is there anything you want to talk about uh, for LSU? Uh, yeah. Um, so I don't have a ton of expectations for LSU going into this year. Um, I still think feel like Brian Kelly's trying to put some pieces together for the team. Um I feel like they can be a sleeper this year just because I feel like Brian Kelly is that good of a coach. But to me, it's really about can you figure out what to do with the quarterback uh, position? Because, I mean, you still have Keishon Boutte on the outside, which I think that is a stud. So yes. <laughs> um, if to, I really do think that if Brian Kelly can kind of put it together this year and have a solid year, I, I would be feeling good about them in the future for sure. But I don't know if I necessarily see see it happening this year. Yeah, uh, there, there's a lot of question marks for sure. Um, lots of transfers. I think they had the most transfers out of anybody in the Southeastern Conference come in this year. Roster totally rebuilt, really. Um, you have on offense some key players coming back. Like you said, Keishon Butte. he's probably going to be the first wide receiver taken in the draft. I mean, he's that good. Um, he was, before he got hurt, he was leading the nation in touchdown receptions last year. Uh, game breaker, he is going to be great uh, as long as we can get – you know, the quarterback position under control. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, it, it's a three-way battle for quarterback this fall. Uh, it's between uh, Arizona State transfer Jaden Daniels, Miles Brennan, who has been here forever. Just to kind of put it in perspective, he committed to Les Miles and Cam Cameron. And that's been forever ago. <laughs> so that's how long he's been here. Uh, and then we have uh, Garrett Nussmeyer uh, also competing for the job. Um there has been no indication from anywhere where there's really a lean for the job. I mean, you, you didn't really know out of spring. People were enamored with the spring game with Garrett Nussmeyer, but it's just spring practice. And Brian Kelly even went so far to say that they just played ran basic plays on offensive defense. They didn't tailor the offense to fit the quarterback specific skills. And you're really not going to find that out until the fall. So, 
you know, you have a lot of different camps. A lot of people think, and I mean, I think this as well. I think um, Brian Kelly's um, typical or top choice for a quarterback when it comes to a skill set is a quarterback that can be mobile and escape and even get some yards if needed to, like an in book type. Um, but, and, you know, that fits to the quarterbacks. It doesn't fit Miles Brennan. But at the same time, Jane Daniels, he's really fa- I mean, he's a really good athlete. He struggles with accuracy and, and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of an issue. Garrett Nussmeyer is a loose cannon. I mean, he's going to struggle with turnovers if he's put into early, which he did kind of last year when he played in, in limited action. So, I mean, you kind of got your solid guy in Miles Brennan that has a really good arm. He had really good stats the first four games that he played um, in 2020 in the COVID year, um, played really strong. Um, but he's just been riddled with injuries and, and misfortune. So I think a lot of fans are really hoping for Miles Brennan to win the job. I'm included. I really want to see a guy who's toughed it out for six years, who stuck around, who didn't transfer out to get the shot and to have a big season. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised by any of the three quarterbacks winning uh, the job. Um, another key offensive player that is coming back this year who didn't play at all last year because of being academically ineligible is John Emery. Uh, he's a running back. He was a five-star guy that came. He had some splat, uh, flashes in uh, 2020 against Bama and some other teams. Super athletic, super good. And I, a lot of us and people think that he's going to have a really breakout year. Uh, and, and he's going to have to uh, if this offense is going to be really good. So watch for him. We also got a transfer running back in Noah Kane from Penn State. He's coming in, so those will be a really good one-two punch. But uh, watch out for John Emery this year. Uh, another wide receiver to watch out for this year besides Keishon Butte, because you're going to have to have a second and possibly a third to kind of help loosen him up, uh, is Malik Neighbors. Uh, he did pretty well as a freshman last year. Um, watch out for him. And then on the defense, I think the defense is going to be really strong this year. It's been a while since the defense was a strong suit for the team. I mean, it's really been since uh, the end of 2019 and then 2018 that the defenses look really good. Um, but, you know, you got first-team player, uh, All-SEC, B.J. Ojolari, who's really good. He had seven sacks last year, double-digit sacrifice losses. You have Mike Jones, which is a transfer from Clemson that everybody thinks is going to make a big jump at linebacker. Mason Smith, the huge giant that's going to be at defensive tackle. He's in his second year. He's going to be really uh, disruptive. And then not a lot of people are talking about this kid. Uh, We got a transfer corner from Ohio State, Seven Banks. Guy was projected to be a first-round draft pick last year. Um, Played pretty well, and then he got a back injury, which wiped out his uh, whole year last year. And because of that, he wasn't going to be in position to really get drafted. He has all the talent in the world. Um, If he was going to start at Ohio State, you know, Ohio State is known right now for really good DBs. Watch out for him to have a really good year uh, as a surprise on the DB level. But, I mean, those are some really good players to watch out for. They open up the season on a Sunday night. They're the primetime Sunday night game against Florida State in New Orleans. So that'll be fun. Um, They got Southern, Mississippi State, New Mexico, and then they go to road at Auburn. They get to host Tennessee this year. That's the rotate on East opponent for us. Then we got at Florida, Ole Miss, Bama, at Arkansas, UAB, and at AM. Uh, just tough schedule as usual. It doesn't help that the rotate on East opponent is Tennessee. Uh, it would be really nice if we had Missouri or Vanderbilt. 
but so that, so that's a that's a tough break. But I mean, it's, you're in the SEC West. You're going to have the, one of the toughest schedules in America, and, and LSU is no different. Um, there's just a lot of questions. I mean, the offensive line. Uh, you're lose. You lost four starters, but the offensive line really wasn't good last year at all. Offensive line seems to be a strong suit all the time where Brian Kelly's at. So hopefully he can work some magic there along with Brad Davis to get it in shape. But just a lot of turnover there. Um, I mean, you got a really good player in Keishon Boutte at wideout, but I mean, you have still a lot of sophomores that are at that position that need to step up, like a Malik Neighbors. You're hoping John Emery's take that step, but everything we've seen in spring, he's going to. And then defense, I mean, the defensive back is going to be – defensive back and linebacker, there are a lot of questions. Defensive back, I think, more so because we lost Eli Ricks, we lost Derek Stingley, and then there was another corner that transferred to Arkansas – um, Dwight McLaughlin, that was going to be a starter as well. He's not there. So, I mean, you're basically having to replace all your starting DBs. There's just so many questions, and you're not going to hit on all of them if you have that many. So I completely understand being picked fifth in the SEC, but they also had the potential to, hey, he's Brian Kelly. He's a really good coach. These are all talented players, and you have the talent to go 9-3. and three. I think 93 is probably the ceiling for the team this year. So, you know, if everything aligns right, you could go that way, but it could be an eight and four, maybe a seven of five year, but I think eight and four is really kind of the, the, the area that you're really kind of, that's, that's my guess is a eight and four season this year. That's, that's what I would expect. And anything above that would be gravy. Anything below that 75, Sort of disappointing. If you go since six and six, then I mean that's that's really disappointing. But I don't see them going six and six. So um, eight and four is what is what I'm thinking this year. For sure, for sure. And I think the biggest question for me that was like you were saying earlier is can you get quarterback right? Because I don't necessarily feel like you can go into that Mississippi State game with the wrong quarterback, yeah. or or else you can really slip up. Because like you were saying, you're replacing so much, so many guys on the on the defensive back or with your corners and stuff. Um, and with Mississippi State being the high-powered air raid offense, like you just can't can't really afford to have the wrong quarterback in at that time. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Mississippi State, let's go ahead and talk about them. Uh, Mississippi State, what you got on Mississippi State? Uh, yeah, they're interesting this year to me because, like you're saying, it's Mike Leach coming back not another year. So um, you have Will Rogers returning. What happens with that? I feel like he's gonna get better. I mean, his numbers are going to be hard to top from last year, but can you limit the turnovers? If he limits the turnovers this year, I could see them having a really good, successful season, but it's just about getting all the other pieces around it together mm-hmm. going in the right direction. What sucks for Mississippi State is <laughs> it's just the, the division that they're playing in. Being in the West it just kind of sucks for them because somebody's got to kind of be at the bottom, and I don't know if it's going to be them, but also the other teams that they're playing are just going to be just as good as what they're what they're putting on the field. Yeah, and it also doesn't help they get Georgia rotated on this year on the East, and they play at Kentucky. So yeah. you, you get at Kentucky, at Bama, and Georgia on your schedule. That's good. That's hard for anybody. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Will Rogers is going to have a great year statistically. Um, definitely needs to make sure he keeps his turnovers down. I mean, the biggest the biggest weakness for Mississippi State last year was the offensive line. 
you had one really good player in Jordan Cross or Charles Cross, excuse me, that played tackle. But other than that, I mean, they just weren't that good. Um, and because of that, they weren't able to run the ball. I know, you know, being air raid, you don't run the ball a lot, but you need to, whenever you do, you need to be successful at it. And they just struggled with that last year. And so, you know, they really need to get an offensive line, um, you know, uh, strong, like really strong this year. And if they can have a r- effective running game, not so much that they do it all the time, but whenever they do, it's really effective. And that'll really keep teams off balance and they'll really be able to score points. And then our defense always flies around and is crazy, especially in the middle. But will they be able to kind of handle any outside kind of throws? I mean, if you watch the old Miss game and the, the Egg Bowl last year, old Miss beat them with these bubble routes and swing routes and stuff to the edges. So those are the big question marks. They have a really good DB coming back. Um, but, you know, it is Mississippi State, but they do have a really rough schedule this year with Georgia rotating on because uh, you go – I mean, the, the tough stretch for them is A&M, Arkansas, at Kentucky, at Bama, Auburn, and then Georgia at home as well. That's a tough stretch. So they'll be good, but with the, with a schedule like that, I mean, you can easily pick out at least three or four losses off the bat probably for them. Let me ask you this. Do you think Mike Leach can coach himself onto the hot seat this year? Man, I don't think so. I mean, so here's the deal. He's at Mississippi State. I mean, what are the realistic expectations for Mississippi State, and what do they expect? I mean, that's that's the real question. I mean, Dan Mullen was good for them, and if he would have stayed and didn't go to Florida, he probably has a a job there for life going 8-4, 7-5, 9-3 for a good year, and then you have the, you know, all-stars aligned going 10-2 or 11 and one or whatever it was with Dak Prescott. But I mean, he, he goes 75, eight and four this year. I mean, I don't know what else you can really ask if you're an administration, you're Mississippi state. I mean, you know, like, I, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I, I, like you were saying, I just don't know another direction that they could go in. Like you're not, you're not necessarily taking a step up from Mike Leach. If you're firing him, Hey, they could just go but hire also, Dan Mullen again. Right. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but i think the, the problem that they're gonna have is what happens if you know like kentucky and arkansas they both uh make strides or take strides forward and both end up being better than what mississippi state looked like last year and at that point it's just you're starting to question is mike leach the guy do we trust this offense like what are we working with at this point and so i think that's the only problem that he would face is everybody else around him in the sec getting better when he's just kind of at mississippi state with not a huge budget working basically against the tide or against like the riptide at that point yeah i mean i think i think if he was right after dan mullen i think he would be but after dan mullen you had jim moorhead or jim moorhead or whatever his name was and he like for whatever reason, he didn't. I don't think he meshed well with the administration. I don't think he meshed well with the fan base, and so he got himself out. And then they hire Mike Leach. So, like, I think with when it comes to Mississippi State, like it's a program where you need a coach that has a gimmick, and Mike Leach has a gimmick. One with his personality, but two with his offense. I mean, his offense is good enough to be in any game. Uh, the I mean, whenever you talk about programs like in Arkansas, Kentucky, um, you know, Ole Miss or Mississippi State what you're expecting is them to be tough outs and Mississippi state's going to be a tough out, but that's all really all you're going to be. And until, you know, I, I think next year with 
Will Rogers being a junior, I think that would probably be the year you would expect really, really big things from them. But I mean, this is also year three for Mike Leach. And in the past year three has been really good for them and their conferences, whether it be at tech or whether it be at Washington state, um, that Texas tech team was the team that did the three-way tie with OU and Texas who could have been in the national championship game um, with Michael Crabtree and all that. But, you know, I mean, crazier things have happened and there's always a team that surprises everybody. Arkansas was that team last year. Um, that will have a surprisingly good year. It could be Mississippi State. But, I mean, with, with you having the air raid, you, you're never out of a game, but you could always lose a game that you shouldn't. So, I mean, that's what you're going to face with. And, man, it, the good thing is that they do have a defense. So they're in a better spot, I think, than Tennessee. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just the kind of the, like, that's just the thing that you just have to live with as a state fan. And I think that's what, uh, what most of them do is they have a realistic expectation of, hey, we're never going to be top go- dog. Every once in a while, we'll have a really good year. But we j- like your main thing is you just want to be competitive. And I think Mike Leach provides you that. So I, I just find it really hard for them to find anybody else. I mean, maybe they will. Maybe they'll decide to move on and try and find somebody. But you better be a good coach because, I mean, there's not really a ton better than Mike Leach that'll come to your school. Yeah, for sure. All right, so uh, let's go on to AM. And I'm going to start off a little bit here. Like, I don't – I never understand the media's infatuation with Texas AM. And And I kind of mentioned this last episode. I just don't get it. Like, can you explain it to me, Mason? Are you there with me? <laughs> I've always been there with you. You know I'm not a Texas a <laughs> <A&M> guy. <laughs> I think the only thing is everybody in the media thinks that Jimbo Fisher is some – godsend of a coach and to me to be honest that's just not the case so i don't I don't understand it either <laughs> yeah i mean their, their schedule isn't easy i mean you got sam houston state appalachian state which isn't easy and then you got miami coming in miami's gonna be a tough out with their new coach with mario cristobal and then i mean you got a rough gauntlet here in the middle i mean you got arkansas which is that neutral site game in arlington then you play at mississippi state at bama at south carolina Old Miss, Florida, at Auburn. I mean, it, it doesn't get much rougher than that. I mean, it's not Arkansas schedule, but it's still pretty rough, and you don't have a quarterback. Yeah. Um, you're probably at least a year away from their number one recruiting class actually be- making a big impact on the conference. Because, I, like, honestly, I feel like their hype is stemming from, hey, they got the number one ranked recruiting class this past year. Because, I mean, what else do they have coming back? I, I didn't really do a ton of looking and digging into a and I mean, they have Devin A. Chain coming in. They have Anaya Smith coming in, who's going to be probably suspended for the same Houston State and Appalachian State game. Like you said, he'll be back in time for Miami. Um, but, I mean, like, they have, like, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, maybe their defense will be tough. They have to replace their defensive coordinator. I forgot who they got. Uh, to replace uh, him. But, I mean, they're replacing that. So you got a new defensive coordinator in. Man, I just, I just don't get that. I mean, they have the same kind of question marks as an LSU, as a, you know, uh, uh, Arkansas. I mean, you got the same question marks. You don't have a quarterback, and the quarterbacks you're choosing from really aren't all class. Um, your offensive line, I mean, you know, maybe have one wide receiver that might scare people. I mean, like, I, I just I don't understand. I mean, you have to pick somebody at two. I just don't understand why it seems to be consensus, consensus that they're the – clear-cut number two team in the West. 
Yeah, I agree. And I, I like what you said earlier. I mean, it really is just the, hey, look at our shiny new number one recruiting class. Like, this is what we have, and we beat Alabama last year. So everybody look at us and see what's going to happen this year. But, I mean, like you said, it's just quarterback. Who, who are they going to roll out there? Because you didn't see anything from Haynes King last year because he got hurt. And then it, Max Johnson, I mean, like you were saying, he's a true game, game manager. And I don't necessarily feel like you can be successful as a game manager and not have awesome pieces surrounding you. Yeah, yeah, so. absolutely. And when did a when has AM ever had a quarterback that scared you? Hmm. Johnny Manziel. Manziel. Yeah. Nobody since Manziel him. Was the last I mean, one. you had Kenny Hill, who was a Heisman favorite for like two weeks. Uh, after yeah. that, you had Kellen Mond, which was the worst best player ever. I mean, like. He got yeah, highs every so year, man, and, like, oh, he was so bad. Like, he wasn't that good. <laughs> but, like you said, I mean, the media loves Jimbo for some reason because of Jameis Winston. But, like, I just, I just don't get it, man. It, like, you have the hype with the spat between Saban and you have your number one recruiting class. And let, and they got to hope and pray that they keep that number one recruiting class together and none of them get mad and just leave after this year. You know, like that's a real like that's I could definitely see some of those guys leaving after this year. Uh, but I, I don't know, man. Like it's AM. They always go eight and four because it's AM. And and I expect nothing more from them than eight and four. I I just don't. So Yeah, especially I don't think they're gonna get quarterback right. So, so I just, yeah. Yep. <clears throat> All right. Uh last team in the West. What about Ole Miss? Um, I like Zach. They have some really solid wide receivers. Um, and then I like Zach Evans, who they brought in, the running back that I was talking about earlier from Texas A&M. I think he's just going to make them a little more dynamic out of the backfield. Um, and this is another team. It's like, who who are you going with? Or are you Jackson Dart, who you just brought in from USC? And so that's one thing that I'm really interested in because you're having to replace the – um, output or the uh, numbers that Matt Corral put up last year, but if there's anybody that I believe can do it, it's Lane Kiffin. Um, so I'll be interested to see what happens with that and can their defense improve from last year? I think this is a big thing. Uh, one thing that really gets swept under under the rug for them last year is that they <laughs> they ended up finishing second in the West. So I'm, I'm interested to see what they're going to put forward this year. Yeah, I mean they have a really they had a really good team last year. They have some really good pieces coming back this year. Um, big questions are, I mean, one, they're also having to to replace Jeff Lebby, which is, I think, a really big piece for them as the offensive coordinator last year. So you're replacing him along with your star quarterback and Matt Corral, which, like you said, there's a quarterback battle there. That's the third one here in the West or fourth one here in the West that's going on. Good thing for them is they might have – maybe some more proven weapons as opposed to some other teams that are in that same boat. Um, so, I mean, you got that. And like you said, can the defense continue to improve is a really big question mark for them. Cause if it can, then, I mean, you're going to be in a really good spot again. You have probably the easiest schedule uh, out of the teams other than Bama left in the West. I mean, Troy, central Arkansas, you go to Georgia tech, Tulsa, Kentucky, Vanderbilt is, I mean, Kentucky Vanderbilt as your teams from the East is really fortunate. Uh, got Auburn at LSU at AM, Bama at Arkansas, Mississippi State. I mean, it's a brutal kind of stretch towards the end in October after you get after Vanderbilt. But I mean, 
they have as good of a shot as anybody to be that number two team in the West. And I mean, as long as you have Lane Kiffin, you're always going to be good on offense, like you said. But it is still kind of a question mark at quarterback. Is some, I mean, with they won 10 games last year because of how good Matt Corral was and how well he took care of the football. Honestly, they probably could have beaten Auburn last year if Lane didn't go forward on fourth down all the time. I think that's another question. Is is, is he going to continue to go forward on fourth down all the time? Because you could easily say that probably it cost them against Auburn. If they would just want to kick field goals, they would have won that game. And then you could also make an argument that because of going on forward on fourth down so early and so often against Bama that it took them out of the game earlier than it should have. Right. So those are kind of two question marks. Like I said, kind of with Mississippi state with it being Ole Miss, you kind of have to have um, kind of a gimmick and the fourth down thing might be Ole Miss's gimmick with Lane Kiffin. I mean, you don't know, but there are definitely question marks along with the other teams, but I think they have a more manageable schedule as opposed to the others uh, here. It's just the thing with them, man, they don't, I, I didn't notice this. They don't play an SEC game until October 1st. Yeah. So they, <laughs> they scheduled all their idle conference games, all the way in the front in September. So, you know, once they get over September and through mid-October, man, it's gauntlet. You have all the – they play their out-of-conference and both of their East teams to start out, and then the back half of the of the schedule is all SEC West the rest of the way. So it is kind of a tough stretch, but I think it's probably a little bit more manageable than maybe some others. But, uh, you know, still question marks as, as usual. But, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're right there towards the top again. Yeah, I mean, we can't act like Troy is a cakewalk, you know? <laughs> he shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to take my Troy shot. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> to kind of finish out the uh, SEC West, give me your top two. We won't go full, you know, one through seven. I think that's really kind of hard. Uh, let, let Give me your top two. Obviously, one's Bama, so give me your second place team. And then give me a dark horse in the West on who you think – uh, will compete possibly for first or second. Uh, but it, even if not that, at least be really scary and could possibly pull off some upsets. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go Alabama one, obviously. Uh, two is hard for me. I would say um, I'm going to lean Ole Miss, actually, because I, like, I like their offense. Um, and I like, I like the known with them more than I like the unknown with Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think a sleeper for me would also be Arkansas. Um, I like what they're bringing back on the offensive end. And with Sam Pittman, I, I think he's a good coach. So I think they could put together some wins and be really sneaky this year. So if you told me that Arkansas came out and was second in the West and was putting together a really good season, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Man, I think and I think this is going to be the same to say in the, in the East when we, when we go through that. But I think that – Besides, Bam, obviously, Bama's one. And I think the rest of the SEC West is just going to cannibalize itself. Yeah, I for mean, sure, for sure. There, I don't think there's going to be such a clear-cut number two like there have been in years past. Uh, I just think everybody's going to beat up on each other because everybody, I think, is really equal. Last is going to be Auburn. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah, I would agree with you, but that seems like a stretch to me to sit there and tell you that <laughs> Auburn's going to be last in the West because it feels weird. Like some Dang of the that. that they have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. So, so, you know, that feels weird. Is there another team that you would say would be last other than Auburn? Yeah. See, that's the thing. There's not, I mean, you can make an argument for Mississippi state, but Mississippi state's coming back with Mike Leach and Will Rogers. Like they're, they're bound to take, take a leap forward at some point. So yeah. it, it feels like, Somebody has to be last, obviously, and it just feels like Auburn's just kind of 
being put into the spot because of how much better all the everybody else around them is getting and they're really just kind of trying to stay afloat yeah okay so so let's compare those two real quick okay they both play auburn and alabama on their schedule or they play georgia and alabama on their schedule both mississippi state and auburn uh which one's tough which which is the tougher east game okay is it Mississippi State goes to Kentucky, or is it Auburn with uh, Missouri coming into town? <laughs> I'd say Mississippi State going to Kentucky for sure. Yeah, you think that's tougher. <laughs> so, so if we're gonna go with that, then you know, let's let's say that Mississippi State would be last. I mean, because I mean, the rest of the schedule when it comes to SEC is the same pot pretty much. I mean, uh, Auburn is at or is at Ole Miss at State. Um, Mississippi State uh, has Ole Miss on the road. They also have Arkansas and A&M at home. Um, yeah, I mean, it, we'll, we'll say it probably a, a coin flip for last between State and Auburn. Um, my number two, because everybody's going to be cannibalizing themselves, I will take the homer pick and I'll say LSU. But, I mean, that's just to say, I mean, everybody's going to cannibalize themselves. Everybody's going eight and four. I think a lot of there's I think there's going to be a lot of four and four teams um, in in the West this year um, because I, I say that I, I say LSU because one I think they they'll beat A and M at the end of the year and I think they'll be able to beat Tennessee uh, on, at home um, I just the 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 sleeper team to me like to me it's probably between LSU and Arkansas for two the thing with Arkansas is I just hate their schedule. Yeah. If sure. there's if their schedule wasn't so hard, I would probably pick them. But it's just it's just brutal. And I, I think they they could take a step back just because of that. Uh that'd be the only reason. Um my my sleeper would be old miss, um, for sure. I mean, I, I think those are gonna be the three teams you're kinda looking at. I, I again I don't have high hopes for AM. So Yeah, um, no doubt. And I think what's what's crazy to me is if you told me any of Ole Miss, Arkansas Texas A&M and LSU were second in the West this year. It's just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, yeah. I see your argument at that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. no, nothing's going to surprise me when it comes to who's going to end up second in the East or in the West. Sorry. Unless it's Alabama, yeah. then I'll be really surprised. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the big surprise is if Alabama yeah. was two. Then it'd just be like, who the heck is that one? Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so we did that. Let's go to the East and we'll try and go through this one a little bit quicker than we did with the West. So we'll start off with the defending national champions, Georgia. What are your thoughts on Georgia this year? Uh, yeah. I mean, you got uh, Sesson Bennett coming back. Can he improve what he did last year? Uh, I don't know if he can. I think he's just a, an incredibly average quarterback. <laughs> like, yep. That's about I'm all you're going to get out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you lose 15 guys, I think it was, to the draft. So can you replace that? I think so. They've been having some really good recruiting classes. So, I mean, Georgia's the top dog in, in the uh in the East at this point. So, I mean, there's not much else to say about that. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm, I'm going to preface by saying this, I think they'll probably win the East, but I don't know if it's such a clear cut thing as it is with Bama in the West. Really? Interesting. I, I, I don't. He, the, Nick Saban isn't on that sideline. Yeah. Like that, that's my thing. I, I think, Kirby Smart's a good coach. I like, don't get me wrong. He's he's done a really good job. He does great recruiting. But man, like, it's so hard to repeat and keep keep success. And the only one that's really been able to do it steadily is especially in the SEC, is Nick. Yeah. And there haven't been any others. So until Georgia can actually prove to me 
that they are going to consistently win the East because like they haven't won it two years in a row. The year before, Florida won it, right? So, and they do kind of have a, a little rough stretch with you know Tennessee at State at Kentucky towards the end of the year. Um, I think they really have a tricky game against South Carolina on the road week three. They open with Oregon this year, which their old defensive coordinator, Dan Lanning's coming in and facing them. That's not going to be an easy game. Um, and dude, they had five first round draft picks <laughs> just on the defense. Yeah. They only have three returning players on defense. Um, that's, you know, Kiki Ringo, Nolan Smith, and Javon Carter, which all really good players, but you know, two of those are really defensive linemen. One of them is in the backfield. You got a lot of unproven players on the defense coming in. And and the reason why they won it all last year was because their defense was so dominant. Their defense isn't going to be as dominant. And I really don't have faith in Stetson Bennett to win games for him because he's just an average quarterback, like you said. The only reason why they won the national championship is because Alabama lost both their wide receivers. And it was able to be an ugly game, which they ended up winning. Yeah. And so I, I just, I think there's a lot more questions on them. I don't think they're nearly as explosive. Their best players on offense are tight ends. And I don't think you can win in this league consistently nowadays with just tight ends and a running game and an average game managing quarterback. I'm just, I'm not high on Stetson Bennett. I'm not high on the Georgia offense. And I think there's like their defense will be good, but it's not going to be historically good. Like it was last year. And because of that, I just like, I don't think they will be as dominant because like, it's hard to be as dominant as that team last year when you have so many new faces. And like I was saying with LSU, you have question marks. You're not going to hit on all of them, right? Like there's going to be areas that, just don't work out as good as you thought they would or you hoped they would. So I, I, I just – I'm not as high. I, I still think they'll win the East, but I think there will be a lot of games that they'll probably sweat out last year that they didn't have to last year. Yeah, I agree. And I think the only pushback I have that with that is there's not really another team in the East that's going to challenge them that much. I mean, I, I expect Tennessee and Kentucky to both be pretty solid this year, but I don't know if either one of them are ready to really make a – make a push to be winning the East anytime soon. That's, so, that's my so I don't, Right. I mean, I'm there with you when it comes to them winning the East, but them winning a game against Georgia, I wouldn't put it out of the, out of the imagination. I mean, yeah, Georgia could fair. lose a game or two would still win the East because I think the rest of the East will probably also cannibalize itself like the West will. And so that would allow Georgia to probably win the East with one or two conference losses, I think. But I mean, I'm just – until they're able to prove it to me that they are the absolute dominant force, like people keep saying that they are, because just because they're Georgia and it's Kirby Smart and he used to coach for Saban, I'm not going to believe in it until I see it. Yeah, because there's I only think, one guy that's done it. And I think this year is going to be really telling because if you're able to replace that many guys that you lost and still be a really dominant team, then I think you're you're working with some magic at that point. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so let's move on. Let's go to Florida. Uh, and one of your favorite coaches that's coming into the year, Billy Napier, first year. They open with Utah. That's real interesting. Uh, what do you think Florida's outlook is this year? Yeah, um, like you said, I'm excited about Billy Napier. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen this year for them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like Anthony Richardson, though. I really do. So I could see them putting a couple of really solid games together and having a decent season, like maybe an 8-4 season. I don't know. But um, there's just not a lot to work with other than Anthony yeah. Richardson. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, 
Yeah, they, they have a tough three lot. game. Yeah, they have a tough three game stretch: uh, LSU, Georgia, and at A and M. That's a pretty tough stretch. They open with Utah and then have Kentucky. I mean, it's not an easy road for them. And then you know they have a break South Florida and they go to Tennessee. So I mean, first game, four games of the year, three of those are really tough for them. And like you said, I mean, they have a lot of unknowns on the offense. I don't think there's really anybody you're really scared of besides Anthony Richardson. And for them to have a good year, I think he has to have a monster year. Uh, there's just a lot of unknowns, new coaching staff. I mean, Dan Mullen really did a number on the roster. Uh, I think it'll probably take a couple years for them to really get back to where they really want to be. And honestly, I don't know if the fan base likes that because uh, it's Florida and they're super impatient and they've hired like 20 million coaches in the past 20 years, it seems like. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it'll probably be another rough year for the Gators. Um, I'm not like like I'm with you. I don't I don't expect a lot from them this year. So, yeah. And I what, what do you? Sorry, you go, go ahead. ahead. You you good? You go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I could see them. Billy, I can see Billy and Napier getting going in the right direction. Like I don't expect a drop off um, this year to where they just look like one of the worst teams in the East. Um, I do think that. Florida's always just like a sneaky team. They have talent, but sometimes they don't always put it together. I think William Nader can probably put some of it together, but I don't know if he can get all the way back to where they want to be this year. But next year, who yeah. knows? What's their record after the first four? Um, that's a Utah, Kentucky, Utah and Kentucky at home, South Florida at home, and then at Tennessee. <laughs> uh, so I definitely give them South Florida. That's tough, man. Good lord. I think you're happy if you're two and two out of that, which yeah. is, sounds very unfortunate. I, I, I think I think they lose to Utah week one. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, it wouldn't surprise me. I think you lose to Utah, and then you got to hope you win. You split Kentucky and at Tennessee because those are both really tough teams. And the, I don't the, good think is, the good thing is the good thing is the good. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. With it being on the road, the good thing yeah, is you have yeah. Kentucky at home, so you gotta hope you win at least that one. But yeah, I think I, you gotta hope you're two and two. And I don't know how happy that'll make people. I mean, you go two and two, the first step. Then you have Eastern Washington and Missouri next. So yeah. you'll, I mean, you're hoping to be six and two by the time you host LSU before going on your on your gauntlet, your three game gauntlet there. But yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you, man. <laughs> All right, let's go to Kentucky. What do you think of Kentucky this year? Uh, Kentucky's going to be interesting to me. Um, there's a lot of hype surrounding Will Levis right now. Yeah, there is. Which, um, he was, I mean, he was good last year. So, I mean, I can't really hate on it. Uh, but it's Kentucky. You know what I mean? Like, Kentucky's it always feels weird talking to them about them and <laughs> football and being good, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, lately, like they've they've been okay. Like I think it was what two years ago where they were playing against Georgia f- to winner goes to the the SEC championship. So like yeah, they they've been solid lately. They just haven't been good enough. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see if Will Levis can kind of uh, put them over the top this year. And I mean I like Stoops. I think he's a good coach. So the com- the combo between them two it'll be interesting to see what they got. Yeah, I mean their their schedule is pretty favorable this year. I mean you could see a path for them to. You know, just like last year, the winner of the, excuse me, Kentucky-Georgia game settles who wins the SEC East because it's it's their last conference game uh, on the schedule. So so their schedule, it looks like, you know, they play Miami of Ohio opening up. They go to Florida. They play Youngstown State, Northern Illinois. Then they go on the road to Ole Miss. 
They have South Carolina and Mississippi State at home. And then you go back-to-back on the road against Tennessee and Missouri. Then you're home against Vanderbilt. Then you're home against Georgia. And then you finish out with Louisville. So, I mean, it's not the toughest schedule. Uh, a lot of it seems pretty manageable. you got to hope you can win your road games because, I mean, you, you do have some tough road games with that Tennessee at Ole Miss and at Florida. But, I mean, you you, you go 2-1 and one in, the, in that stretch – I mean, you're, you're probably playing for all the marbles for the East against Georgia uh, at the end of November. So, um, you know, like you were kind of talking about with um, with Will Rogers, I think you can also say the same thing with Will Levis. He had a lot of interceptions and turnovers last year. If he can clean those up, I think they'll be really good. He does. I mean, he has a lot of talent. He's pretty mobile. Uh, he has a really good arm. I think the problem with Kentucky is that, I mean, they lost Wondell Robinson, which was their really good wide receiver, Swiss Army Knife type player that got drafted last year. I mean, I don't really know how much, you know, I don't think they have a lot of names or really good player or, um, you know, people that strike fear in you at the wideout position. So that'll kind of make it harder probably on Will Levis. You do have a couple of good running backs with Chris Rodriguez coming back. And I mean, their defense is always going to be pretty stout. Uh, and sound with Mark Stoops being there. But uh, the big question for them is that they have to have some sort of weapon on the outside to really uh, compete in the East. And that's the big question mark for them is do they actually have one of those or one what, or will one of those emerge this year? Yeah, for sure. I agree. And, I mean, you got to feel good about having Mississippi State um, and South Carolina at home this year mm-hmm. because that just kind of – and both of those are kind of sandwiched in between uh, Ole Miss on the road and then Tennessee on the road. So if you pull both those out and get those the two wins at home, you gotta be feeling good about it at that point. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, let's talk about South Carolina. Um, what do you think about South Carolina this year? It's year two for that, Shane Beamer. I know this is your darling team, so I don't <laughs> feel too much of your thunder. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean. South Carolina is going to be interesting. I'm not the biggest Spencer Rattler guy. Um, I think it's good for them to get a guy like that into South Carolina because he is a bigger name. So it's nice to see people actually wanting to go to South Carolina because when South Carolina is good, uh, it makes SEC East a lot more competitive mm-hmm. because lately they've been they've just been kind of bottom of the barrel and not, not really competing at all. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing I'm interested to see is can Spencer Rattler kind of recreate that juice that he had his first year at Oklahoma? Yeah. Uh, And okay. So for those that obviously none of y'all know this, but I was texting Mason earlier this week and uh, mentioned that I think South Carolina is my, is my sleeper team. So there's a little preview for you when we get to the, to the East stands because the dark horses, South Carolina. Um, But like you said, I think their season is really going to ride on how Spencer Rattler plays this year. Um, I mean, you, you go back to this time last year. What's the talk around Spencer Rattler? He is top quarterback, Heisman favorite, could be the first quarterback taken in the draft. He has all the talent in the world. He still has the talent. He just needs to play better. And, and I think part of it is say, hey, we had he had a really good um, quarterback behind him at OU, which he was looking over his shoulder. I mean, there, there's all sorts of stuff that could have happened that, that caused him to play the way that he did. I'm not saying that he's going to be like first round pick, first overall quarterback good, 
But if he can get somewhere close to that, I think South Carolina is really scary because they have a, some some skilled players that are coming back that are really good. Their uh, tight end, Jaheim Bell, was really good. To carry on Joyner, he played quarterback in the bowl game, but he's actually a wide receiver. He's a really good athlete. So he's got some targets on the outside. Um, for them, I think it's offensive line and their defense needs to get better. Um, but – Uh, I think a lot of it's going to ride on Spencer Rattler this year. And if he can live up to what a lot of scouts thought of him last year, I think they're really dangerous. And I think the schedule kind of sets up pretty nice for him too. I mean, they play Georgia state. They do have to go on the road to Arkansas and they have Georgia early. I think that Georgia game with it being week three and with Georgia having all these new players, I think that would be a really good uh, test for them. Because I mean, if, if you look back in the past, if you're going historically, the South Carolina game for Georgia has always been kind of a big game that they've always tripped up at. If they do trip up, especially with a lot of their hype teams. So I'd look for that. Then after the Georgia game, they got Charlotte, South Carolina state, they go to Kentucky and then they have A&M at home, Missouri to home. They go to Vanderbilt to Florida. They get Tennessee at home, and then they go to the to, on the road to Clemson. I mean, there are obviously some some tough games there, but I think it, it's pre, it's fairly manageable. And I think they're, I think they'll be with Spencer Rattler at quarterback. I think they'll be dangerous in every game they play this year. Kind of like a Mississippi State being able to outscore people. Yeah, I see what you're saying. My my only thing is that I could see them taking a step up and being a better team than they were last year, and still only winning seven games. Sure. Which, Sure. Yeah, I, I can see that too. And again, again, I think I think a lot of that will come down to their offensive line. And I think a lot of that will come down to if their defense can improve. And I think we can probably say the same thing with the next team, which is Tennessee. What are your thoughts on Tennessee this year? Yeah, Tennessee is exciting this year. Um, bringing back their quarterback, and then you having another year of, of a Heupel or Josh Heupel offense, which that's kind of what he was known for while he was at uh, UCF. So those adding those two together, it's going to be interesting to see kind of what they can put together on the offensive side. Defense is going to be interesting. I don't really know how much they're going to be able to improve in that area. Um, it is weird sitting here thinking about Tennessee kind of being back because of how far in the gutter they've been the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it is it is interesting to see what they're going to do this year. Yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, you got your quarterback coming back. You have your running back coming back, and you have a top wide receiver coming back in Cedric Tillman. I think the offense is going to be great. I mean, it started really clicking at the end of last year. I mean, do you remember the shootout they had with Purdue? That was a great game in the bowl game in the Music City Bowl. The key word for Tennessee is defense. They have to improve defense, and you would hope that Josh Heupel learned his lesson last year, knowing, hey, I'm in the SEC. I can't just outscore people. We have to have a defense. So you got to hope that they take like us. I can see them being uh, similar to how Ole Miss was last year, and that if their defense can take a step up and not be like historically bad or horrible, if they can just be good enough to get some stops, I think Tennessee will be a really good team this year um, and, and, and really strike some fear in a lot of opponents. Like you said, they could be Bama's toughest game this year, and that's actually saying something with Tennessee hopefully being on the rise and Hypo doing a really good job. Their schedule is, is okay. I mean, they have Ball State to start off on a Thursday. They get the Thursday game uh, this year to start off the season. Um, they go to Pittsburgh, which was a close game last year uh, that they lost, and they have Akron. Then they have Florida. They go on the road to Baton Rouge against LSU, and then they have Alabama at home, UT Martin at home, Kentucky at home. They go to Georgia. 
they have Missouri at home, two South Carolina, and two Vanderbilt. So it seems like a lot of their SEC games are road games, which could be a problem. But, I mean, offense can usually travel uh, in most of those places. But um, if their defense can improve, I would say watch out. But that's a big question mark. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, the problem that, I have, that I'm having right now with the, the East is that you pretty much have a guaranteed loss for every team right now with Georgia. But other than that, you're really kind of searching for losses at that point. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, with Tennessee, you're probably going to lose Alabama. You're probably going to lose to Georgia. Uh, if LSU's a night game, you know, Baton Rouge is rocking at night. Probably so will be. If that's I, happening, you could probably give them a loss there. But, I mean, other than that. I mean, that's three losses Yeah, if and, we're going to count that. So. Exactly. I mean, if you're at that point, who is it? I mean, I don't see you losing to Florida at home, Kentucky at home. I mean, you have South Carolina on the road, but I mean, other than that, other than those three, two of them, are, I would say, are pretty much. I wouldn't, I wouldn't guarantee actually Georgia or Alabama, but it's probably going to happen. And then LSU is the other questionable one. So if you're, I mean, if you have three losses at that point, that I mean, that's a really solid season for Tennessee for sure. Yeah, I mean, you go nine and three, that's a that's a huge win and a huge step forward. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. All right, let's move on uh, to the last two, which I don't think we'll hardly spend any time on at all. Uh, We'll go go Missouri first. Is there anything you want to talk about, Missouri? These are your two automatic kickouts of the East, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is there anything you want to talk about, Missouri? I mean, not really. (laughs) I I just – I don't see – there's nothing to be excited about with them or Vanderbilt. I mean, you have a little bit with Vanderbilt with their new coach. Um, that's kind this of exciting for them. Yeah, for sure. So I mean, <laughs> I'm just, I'm not, I'm not excited about either one of them. I mean, who cares? I mean, so yeah. I, I wrote down some like really quick notes on both of them. Here's what I wrote for Missouri. Does anyone really care about Missouri football? Long yeah. gone are the days no. of Chase Daniels and competing for the Big 12 title. Not really any hype, and don't really care to look into the team. That's what I have. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I just, I don't care. I mean, they play at Auburn. Uh, they play their road games are they go to Kansas State. I mean, they go to Auburn. They have Georgia at home. They go to Florida. I mean, they have Vanderbilt at home. They go to South Carolina. They have Kentucky at home. They go to Tennessee, and then they have Arkansas at the end of the year at home. I mean, who cares, man? Like, they're just I not going to be good. Genuinely couldn't tell you a single player on their roster off the top of my head. I honestly couldn't tell you either. I really couldn't either. I couldn't tell you a single player. And and that also goes along with the next team, which is Vanderbilt. I <laughs> yeah, couldn't tell sure. you a single team on their <laughs> roster either. The only interesting thing I can see about Vanderbilt is that they play Hawaii in the week zero at Hawaii. That's that's the, that'll be the high point of their year. They get because they're not going to make a real bowl game. This will be their bowl game experience. I think that'll be um, maybe the only Vanderbilt uh, game I catch this year. It, it might be. I mean, no, you're going to catch the Alabama game. Yeah, other than Alabama, that one. But <laughs> here's exactly what I wrote about Vandy in my in my notes. It's Vandy. Clark Lee is an idiot for saying soon Vanderbilt football will be the best program in the country. They are a ways away from where James Franklin had them before leaving for Penn State, which, I mean, (laughs) will they ever get back to to what James Franklin had them? I don't think so. With how the trajectory is and how their administration doesn't really care about them, they won't upgrade their facilities and doesn't want to spend money. Get out of the SEC. I don't care. (laughs) I thought it was really funny. 
uh, I don't know if you caught this or not, but in uh, <laughs> in Clark Lee's like little opening statement at Media Days, I think he made a point to say that Vanderbilt was a charter member of the SEC. Oh, it's like, who cares? Like, I don't care if you're a charter member. Like, your school doesn't <laughs> care to compete in football. You should be kicked out of the conference. Like, I'm tired <laughs> of you just like being a leech and just taking money for not doing anything. Like, I'm just over it. I uh, I hate Vanderbilt. So How do you much. think Clark Lee feels? being a year away from actually having the Notre Dame job. If he would have stayed one more year instead of oh, jumping the yeah. gun yeah. and taking the Vanderbilt job, he's probably sitting there coaching he Notre Dame. He could be, year. man. Oh, man. That's that's something to think about, man. How his life would be different instead of <laughs> yeah. worrying about all the crap at Vanderbilt, he'd be at Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah. oh, poor guy. <laughs> oh, well. okay. You're living to learn. You're living to learn, man. Is he ever going to get a head coaching opportunity again? Probably, Probably not. not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so let's go with our, our predictions. Talk, give me, again, your top two uh, and your bottom two <laughs> for the East and then a dark horse. Uh, so I'll start with my bottom two. Shockingly, I'm going to go with Missouri and Vandy. <laughs> Out of left field order? with that. In, in what order? What's I the will order? go Vandy last, Missouri second to <laughs> okay. last. Okay. okay. And then top two, so I'll go Georgia number one. And I think I'll go Tennessee number two, actually. I'm excited for what they got going. Um, okay. So a sleeper. I just don't know about a sleeper this year. I mean, I want to say Kentucky, but I don't even feel like I can consider them a sleeper this year because I feel like a lot of people are on them. So I feel like it's kind of just going to be South Carolina, unfortunately. Hey! Hey! I feel like they just kind of fit into the sleeper role this year because they weren't (laughs) great last year. You had a better quarterback this year. Good had something together. <laughs> hey, look at that coming around. Let's go. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Vanderbilt last, Missouri above them. I got Georgia one. And then um, and I think this is just a similar conversation to what we had on the West. Um, we could pick three teams out of the hat, and you probably wouldn't be surprised by either one of them being second place. You wouldn't be surprised by Kentucky. You wouldn't be surprised by Tennessee. And I don't think you'd be surprised by South Carolina being second in the West this year. I think Florida is on the outside looking in on that. I think they'll be above Missouri. Um, and then just pick one out of the three. Um, I'll go – I'm going to I'm gonna go with my dark horse, which is South Carolina at two. Uh, but I wouldn't <laughs> be – my, my second choice would be Tennessee. I think it's either going to be South Carolina or Tennessee. I – with Kentucky, with their wide receivers, I just I don't have faith enough in their offense being able to replace that productivity with somebody that's just unproven. I think South Carolina and Tennessee have better weapons, um, and I think their quarterback play is just as good, if not better, than Kentucky. So, Yep, for sure. All right, so that's our preview there. Um, let's go pretty quickly. We'll probably dive a little bit more into this in another episode but let's kind of quickly talk playoff predictions and possible dark horses for the playoff this year. Uh, we'll, we'll probably get a little bit more in depth when we probably talk a little bit broader around the country. Uh, and, and this may even change later, but let, let's kind of start with early predictions for playoff and early dark horses. What do you, what do you like? Um, I mean, I feel like it's going to be kind of similar to what we were just talking about. Like Alabama and Georgia are both my, they're top three. They're both top three for me for sure. I would say I would add Ohio State into that also. I kind of feel like the three of them are almost kind of locked into the top three for playoffs. 
Um, another team I'm interested in is Clemson this year. Are they able to kind of recreate um, everything that they were working with and kind of get back uh, on track from last year? Because um, I, I like uh, Uli Angale, I think is how you say his name. Already. Yeah, no, I yeah. <laughs> something like that. Um, I like – um, him and what he's been, or I like the ta- the skill set that he has for sure. And I mean, that was a good coach, and he knows what he's doing. And they've always been kind of towards the top for recruiting. Um, so I think they they'll be able to kind of sneak their way back into it for sure. What about you? Yeah. So I think, like you were saying with the SEC, I think there's two clear favorites for the playoff, which is Bama and Ohio State. I think. Yeah. I for think sure, those for are sure. I think those are two clear ones. The rest, I'm not sure. Uh, I already mentioned I'm not as high on Georgia as some others. Um, but, I mean, I could easily see them in the playoff. But um, if they lose a game in the regular season, which I personally think that they will lose at least one in the regular season, and then they lose to Bama in the SEC championship, they're they're on the outside looking in the playoff. Um, I mean, other teams that you could look at, I've, I've kind of looked at a few like way too early preseason top 25 stuff. And I mean, teams I'm seeing on here are, you know, Notre Dame or Utah, Clemson. I mean, Clemson is an interesting thing if they can get right, but they're also replacing both their coordinators. So I think there's a lot of wait and see and kind of unknowns possibly with Clemson for the first time in a while. I mean, there's Oklahoma State. I don't think Michigan is going to be as good this year. I think they lost a lot last year. Um, I mean, I, I, I honestly, on, I think this is probably the dark horse that I'll have is, um, is USC. And, oh, and the reason, okay. the reason I'll say that is because it's Lincoln Riley and yeah. I think he'll be able, he has Caleb Williams coming in and I think the offense will be really good. And, and I mean, he's in the pac 12. Yeah. I mean, let me, let, let's, let, let me pull up their, their schedule real quick. Uh, cause if, if they're undefeated, which I think they could be, um, then they'll be in the playoff for sure. Uh, I want to see what their out of conference looks like. Um, the 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 trap game that they'll have is, I mean, they play Notre Dame at the end of the year, so that could be you know their big game to see, um, you know, if they're getting in. But it's at the end of the year, so hopefully they're clicking on all cylinders. The trap game that they'll have this season um, is at Utah in the middle of the season. If they can, I think they'll be undefeated going into that Utah game. And if they can win that, then I think they'll have a really good chance of going undefeated, uh, hoping that they beat Notre Dame, but that Notre Dame game is at home. So my sleeper is USC because it's Lincoln Riley and because he's always going to have his offense really good. And he has Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams coming with him from Oklahoma. So they're already familiar with each other. And I think USC's at least frontline starters will be good. That that's going to be my dark horse is USC. Yeah, I mean, I really like that because I'm a Caleb Williams guy, um, and I do like Lincoln Riley. So, I mean, see, I can definitely see them piecing something together there. Um, another dark horse I would have for you is the Texas Longhorns. That's um, my other one. That's my <laughs> other one is Texas. Yeah, yeah I've been sure. saying it for years. Hopefully it comes through <laughs> this year, man. I, I really hope so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I like some of the stuff that they added because uh, they added Quinn Ewers, um, transfer from Ohio State. He was a five-star guy. One of the better quarterback coming out of his recruiting class. Um, and like I said earlier, I'm just a Steve Sarkeesian guy. Like I, I yeah. think he just knows he knows and understands what he's doing. And this year, I really see, I mean, they're gonna have the Alabama game. If we're assuming that's gonna be a loss. Um, other than that, I mean, you have Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. So I mean, if you're pushing through and winning both of those games, because I don't think Oklahoma's gonna be that good this year. 
they I just feel like they kind of lost way too much. Um, yeah, I mean, their, their quarterback this year is going to be Dylan Gabriel, which is the transfer in from UCF. He did uh, tear his ACL last year early in the year, so he is coming off an ACL surgery. Um, it's not That's not as big of a deal anymore as it used to be, but, I mean, it could still be a factor with him. But I'm kind of with, your, with you there with Oklahoma. I'm not sure if they'll be the same. New coaching staff. Uh, they do have Jeff Lebby as being the coordinator, though, so that is something that could work out for him. But, uh, yeah, I- I'm with you on the Texas pick. If they can, you know, everybody's expecting them to lose to Bama. I'm hoping it's a really competitive game. It is in Texas, so, I mean, you never know. Um, but if they can just only lose one game in the Big 12, I mean, then you're kind of outside looking in. But I, I could see him going undefeated in the Big 12 and win the Big 12 Conference. I think the big teams to watch out for in the, or the other team to watch out for in the Big 12 is Baylor. Yeah. Um, Baylor had a really good year last year. We'll see if they can replicate that this year. But I, I do like your Texas pick. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing. If you're already adding that out, that one Alabama loss, you kind of got to win out from there, which yeah. could be kind of tough. Uh, but, you know, it's a sleeper pick for a reason. So <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Anybody else you think? Uh, anybody in the big uh, 10 that you think could possibly uh, surprise some people or in the ACC? What, uh, is Miami there? Is Wake Forest there North Carolina? Or you think Michigan maybe could have another good year? Or does Michigan State follow up their good year with a better one? Do you like any of those? Not really. Uh, I don't love Miami this year. I think Cristobal is going to have to ha- kind of put together another recruiting class before they really start uh, clicking. Um, I just think the problem with this year is everybody feels or it feels really top heavy. Like you have your two teams, like you were saying, between Alabama, Ohio State, you're probably going to have Georgia. And then, I mean, Notre Dame is what they are, then Clemson. And then you have just a bunch of sleeper picks at that point. So I don't really know if I see anybody else kind of knocking their way into the playoffs this year. Yeah, sure. Well, awesome. So that's our playoff predictions and dark horses. That's an early look. We'll probably do uh, a more in-depth look on the rest of the country uh, through the conferences, and we'll probably give our final picks for the playoff and our dark horses uh, closer to the beginning of the season in, uh, in August. So uh, just a little preview there for you guys. But we have a, I have a new segment that we're going to try out that I think is going to be really fun, and uh, we're going to try it out here. Basically, what we're going to do is I'm going to give Mason a topic, and he's going to have to convince me or come up with an argument on why the statement is going to be true. Um, so uh, Mason's flying blind here. I haven't told him what it is, so, so it is going to be on the fly. But here it is. Georgia loses three games this year. Convince me why that would actually happen. Oh, what? Um, okay. So I was talking about it earlier, or we were talking about it earlier. You have um, Georgia sitting there, and they lose basically what their entire defense. And so you're replacing that. You're placing a lot of guys on offense. At this point, you're just kind of hoping – that the recruiting classes that um, Kirby Smart has brought in are just going to slide right in and replace everything that they lost, which I don't, I don't necessarily, I mean, I, I think it's going to happen. I don't know. <laughs> I, you kind of seem to be on the other side of the fence, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you're starting off with Oregon could be a loss. I mean, you're adding Bo Nix on the Oregon at that point. Uh, I mean, at that, with that, 
This is hard, Cam. <laughs> I'm, about to have to, I'm sitting here trying to bash Georgia when I just was hyping them up. <laughs> See, this is going to be – I knew this was my question going into the podcast. So I was really interested you, to see how you bullish you were on them. I did. I did. But, yeah, I, I want to hear – listen, obviously you won't believe the argument, but what is the argument for, hey, Georgia's going to lose three games this year? I mean, yeah, the argument is really kind of simple. It's you're replacing everything that you lost from last year and just hoping that everything's going to be smooth and go um, completely fine. And you're just hoping that Kirby Smart is the guy that they just paid to be the top coach in, in college football. And if at that point you're just kind of hoping, that, you know what I mean? Like I can see a loss to Oregon, but – the rest of their schedule, I mean, I just – I don't see it. You're, you you got to kind of hope that they lose to Oregon and then hope that uh, South Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky slips them up and then they lose again to Alabama in SEC championship. I mean, that's really the roadmap for a three-loss season for them, which is it is what it is, I guess. <laughs> okay, yeah. You got anything for me? Um, I will flip it around to you <laughs> and tell me – why Alabama will not win the SEC West. Oh, man, you made it even tougher on me. Shoot. Okay, why why Bama won't win the SEC West? Because everybody gets hurt. Um, <laughs> that, that's the only, No, I think the argument for Bama not winning the West is their offensive line doesn't improve and their transfer wide receivers just don't perform. Um, I think their defense will be pretty good, but like you said, the middle of the defense is is the question mark. Um, I, I think the roadmap for that is um, if they don't win the – you said not the SEC West or the SEC? Just the West. Just the West. So I think um, the way that they lose the West is their um, – their wide receivers aren't as good as in previous years, which causes the offense to take a step back. Their middle of the defense uh, isn't very stout. They give up a lot of running uh, uh, room. And I think that also makes w- – w- I think the only way that they wouldn't win the West is if a LSU or an A&M just goes on a really good run and only loses one game. Um, and they, they win a tiebreaker over Bama from a head-to-head. I think – I think that's the only way. Obviously, I don't think that'll happen. Um, but I think the 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 only way it will is if the wide receivers don't produce and the middle of the defense is still really susceptible to the run. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Because I could definitely – if you told me right now they lost one SEC game, I don't know if it would necessarily surprise me all that much. Um, but the thing about that is I feel like every other team in the West right now is you can kind of chalk them up for at least two losses for sure. Just cause it's a really a gauntlet right there in the middle. So I could see every single team beating up on each other and then maybe one team catching Alabama and they still kind of are able to sneak in like they did last year with the one loss. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to say that they lose two games this year, which causes another one, another SEC West team to, to, to win or to win the West, they have to lose to Tennessee. And then the team that has to beat them either has to be AM or it has to be LSU. I don't think any of the other teams could do it. Yeah, for sure. So that, that, that there it is. 
pretty pretty cool segment i think i think it's fun uh on the road or on the fly there um <laughs> if you if you guys have anything like that it could be you know convince me that vanderbilt's gonna go eight and four we'll laugh in your face but we'll try and do it <laughs> convince me north carolina will win the acc anything any kind of pull prediction that you might have that you want to hear what our argument might be for that being the case please feel free to email us at down to the wire cm at gmail.com. And we'd love to answer those questions and put that up uh, on the uh, next segment. So, so put your, uh, put your uh, bold predictions in there and uh, Mason and I will try and come up with arguments. Uh, and if we don't get anything from you, we'll come up with our own and, and, and just kind of go with it. So uh, Mason, any final thoughts as we close out this marathon of a podcast this week? Yeah, I'm really expecting Vanderbilt and Missouri to get kicked out of the SEC here in the next <laughs> couple of days after the way we've been trashing them. So that's about all I got. One can only hope, man. One can only hope. Well, hey, thank you guys so much for listening. Mason, thanks for coming back. I'm sure we'll be doing more. And uh, this has been Down to the Wire, and we'll catch you next time. Peace out. <laughs>